All right, uh, this evening, uh, if you weren't uh, here last time, we covered a lot. Uh, we actually began, since we're going to be going into uh, the book of Genesis and the Old Testament, uh, we began by looking at Matthew chapter 1 uh, and the prophecy about the virgin uh, who shall uh, bear a son, uh, who is conceived and will bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And we're really using that as a jumping off point to go into Isaiah chapter 7 to, uh, as an illustration for why we have to understand the Old Testament in its original context. Uh, Matthew, when he was writing to his audience, uh, he takes certain things for granted that they know about the book of Isaiah uh, and just how... Uh, stunning and an amazing the prophecy is but if all we do is read Matthew we miss what he's taking for granted that we already know Isaiah and so he doesn't have to tell it all to his audience uh, he expects them to actually know know some things about it and if you don't understand Isaiah chapters 7 through 9 also through 12 uh, really well you'll partially understand the the prophecy and what's uh, going on there uh, but you won't see the the bigger picture. Uh, and so uh, we covered that in, in great detail. And maybe we'll do just a little brief review. But then tonight, we're going to be looking more specifically at uh, the meaning of the word Alma uh, and its different uses, uh, which is uh, used, as we spoke about, for a, uh, a young maiden, uh, someone who is physically mature, uh, who is uh, in her prime of a marriageable uh, age. Uh, and so we're going to look at some of the range of that, uh, that meaning. Uh, we'll, we'll trace that, uh, that out. And so first, let's just, maybe we'll read through uh, chapter 7. I'll make a few brief comments along the way, just because there are so many here who weren't with us last time. But then highly recommend that you uh, go to the Gospel of Grace Fellowship website uh, or uh, speak with uh, Scott and you can get a CD of it or find the, the MP3 online because uh, we went on for an hour and 35 minutes. So uh, can't repeat all that tonight. We went over time. So. Uh, but here, uh, Isaiah, uh, it's a situation where King Ahaz uh, is, is reigning. Uh, Isaiah was commissioned during the, uh, in the same year that King Uzziah died, uh, the father of Jotham, father of Ahaz. Uh, Ahaz was the son of Jotham. Uh, and so he was commissioned in the year uh, 740 or 739 uh, BC, uh, the, the year that uh, Ahaz, or King Uzziah died. And the overlap there is just because the Hebrew calendar doesn't match up with ours uh, completely. So there's, there's a bit of overlap. And then in 735 B.C., uh, King Ahaz, who was the, uh, became the superior king, uh, Jotham was still alive for a few years, but uh, he, he was a co-regent, and he became the, uh, the superior uh, reigning over Israel, uh, was encountered by two kings, uh, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, who is the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, because the tribes had split up back uh, with Solomon's son, uh, Rehoboam, uh, and then, uh, and so Pekah, the son of Remaliah, 
of Israel, the northern tribe, also called, uh, called Ephraim, just because Ephraim was the primary tribe of the, the northern uh, kingdom, and Arezin, uh, the king of Aram, or some translations have Syria. Uh, Syria is a later name for uh, Aram. Uh, and these two kings, uh, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, who Isaiah will sometimes just call son of Remaliah because he's kind of kind of a nobody. He, he assassinated the previous king, and he himself would be assassinated within a few years. Uh, his his dy- wouldn't even his dynasty wouldn't get to stage two. Uh, and so here they bring a threat uh, coming from the north, civil war uh, against uh, Judah because of the rising Assyria. Assyrian threat, the Assyrian Empire, to the north uh, in Mesopotamia, modern-day uh, Iraq, uh, between the Tigris and the Euphrates, uh, Tigris to the north and Euphrates just below it. And because of the rising threat of the Assyrians, they want to uh, get Judah to join their coalition. Uh, and because Judah has refused, and actually Ahaz is planning uh, to send to uh, the Assyrian king, uh, Tiglath Pileser the the third, I believe, at this time, to send for help to him. So, because Judah won't join their coalition, uh, they're going to attack. Uh, they're going to try to depose Ahaz and set their own king, the son of Tabeel, on the throne, so that they'll join their coalition against the uh, the Assyrian Empire, uh, the Assyrian threat. And so, first, we'll just see this threat, and then uh, God. Uh, Yahweh God is going to uh, send Isaiah to confront Ahaz to exhort him not to be afraid, uh, to not fear uh, these two kings. Uh, they're nobodies. Uh, God's going to t- take care of them and their plots aren't going to come to pass. And then he's going to offer him a sign, which is what the, the rest of uh, the following chapters uh, deal with, uh, going all the way through chapter 8. Uh, chapter 9, verse 7, and there are going to be two fulfillments to the sign, one in his own day and one uh, in the the far distant uh, future uh, where there's going to be a a Davidic king who will reign and live uh, forever. So let's just begin uh, reading through uh, chapter 7 of Isaiah, uh, beginning with verse 1. In the days of Ahaz, uh, so that's the king of Judah, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah. That's where the Davidic line is. Rezan, the king of Syria, Aram, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. So, uh, failed. Uh, now we see the, the reaction of uh, Ahaz and, uh, and the, the people. When the house of David was told... Syria is in league with Ephraim, uh, the, uh, the prominent tribe of the northern kingdom, Israel. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. So they're terrified. Now God sends uh, Isaiah to exhort him. And the Lord, Yahweh, said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Yeshuv, Uh, his son, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field. So this is at Jerusalem. Ahaz is out checking the water supply, uh, maybe trying to secure it uh, for this this threat that uh, he's facing from Israel, the northern kingdom, and from the 
uh, from, from Aram, uh, Rezin, the king of Aram. And so uh, the Lord says to Isaiah, take your son, Sha'ar Yashuv, or Shir Jishav, uh, but in Hebrew, Sha'ar Yashuv, uh, a remnant shall return. And we're going to see this has significance, uh, the names of Isaiah and of his uh, sons. Uh, Isaiah, Yeshayahu, Yahweh is salvation, and Sha'ar Yashuv, a remnant shall return. And here, it might be a message of hope, but later, when Ahaz rejects God's sign to him uh, in unbelief, it's going to become a message of judgment uh, upon the people. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Sha'ar Yashuv, your son, at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field, and say to him, Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. Because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, at the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria, and the son of Remaliah, uh, the king of Israel. Because Syria with Ephraim, uh, the, the northern kingdom, and the son of Remaliah, uh, Pekah, the, the king, has devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves and set the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. Here's God's response to their, uh, their plots uh, to, to bring, uh, depose Ahaz and set up their, their guy. Uh, in verse uh, verse 7, thus says uh, the Lord God, uh, small, small case, Lord, so Adonai, Lord, the sovereign Lord, uh, God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus. Damascus is the capital of the, uh, the nation, Syria. And the head of Damascus is Rezin, the king, and within 65 years, Ephraim, the northern kingdom, will be shattered from being a people. It's not going to happen. And the head of Ephraim, uh, the, the northern kingdom, is Samaria, the capital. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah, the king. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. So be firm so that you're not shattered like these guys. I'm not going to allow this to, to happen. So he's encouraging him, exhorting Ahaz to believe God and trust uh, in, in him. And this brings us to the sign. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of Yahweh, your God. Uh, all caps, Lord. Uh, Yahweh, your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, the abode of the dead, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put Yahweh to the test. And so Yahweh commands him, ask for a sign. He refuses because he's already, he's going to send to the king of Assyria. It's, it's unbelief, rejection. He doesn't want the sign that God has commanded him to give. So he's actually putting Yahweh to the test by not asking because God commanded. Normally you don't ask uh, because you just believe God's word and his trustworthy character and works. But here, God says, ask, uh, false piety. No, I'm, I'm not going to ask for that. It's because of his unbelief. And so, uh, now uh, the prophet will rebuke him. He's going to give a sign uh, anyway. And so, uh, verse 13. And he said, hear then, O house of David. 
Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? So he's growing impatient uh, with this unbelieving, uh, unrighteous king. Uh, actually one of the most wicked in Israel's history, even resorting later to child, uh, uh, child sacrifice. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Immanuel, God with us. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, uh, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. Uh, the Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. And so now the sign uh, for the, the rest of it, uh, talking about this boy uh, before he uh, knows how to uh, refuse the evil and choose the good. So before, uh, before he reaches uh, a level of moral discernment and maturity uh, to be able to uh, discern between good and evil uh, and, and choose between the two, uh, the land uh, whose two kings you fear shall be deserted. Uh, the land's going to be deserted of these kings. Uh, it shall not come to pass. It shall not happen. Uh, there's an application to Ahaz's own day, uh, as we'll uh, see. Uh, and uh, he then talks about, uh, it sounds maybe kind of good, curds and honey can be a good thing, uh, and uh, also saying days will come upon you and upon your father's house and upon the people as such have not been since Ephraim departed from Judah. So it sounds like it might be back in the time of Solomon, the golden years. This is going to be a great time, but then he replaces it. The king of Assyria. In that day, the king of Assyria is going to come. Uh, the day, days are going to come. He's going to bring judgment upon you. And then the rest of the, uh, this chapter, and we'll uh, jump into the, the next. Uh, but the rest of this chapter, he then repeats four times. In that day, in that day, in that day. Uh, talking about the... Uh, the, the fly, I think the fly, uh, that's in Egypt and the bee that's in uh, uh, with the Euphrates in the river. So the Egyptians, uh, the Assyrians uh, in the Assyrian Empire are going to swarm and fill the entire land. Uh, they're going to fill it with their armies. Uh, and then talks about how uh, a higher, God's going to use a hired razor, the king of Assyria, to wipe away uh, the hair of the head and of the feet and of the beard also. And so in the military campaigns, the defeat, the humiliation uh, that's going to come upon them uh, from the Assyrians, yeah, it'll stop the northern kingdom, Israel, uh, in their king, but it's also going to uh, stop uh, the, uh, the Arameans and bring judgment on Ahaz uh, and his people uh, in this very day. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about how... Uh, how they're only going to have curds and honey to eat because the, the population will be so small and the land will be ravaged under the siege of the Assyrians. Uh, and this is going to happen in the progressive uh, years. So let's just read through this section uh, and go into chapter 8, uh, and then we're, uh, we're going to transition more to look at the, uh, the idea of uh, Alma. But I just want to give a, a little bit of review so uh, you, you can see some of these things in uh, sort of an outline form then go back and listen uh, to our class that we did last week where we went uh, tremendous uh, detail. So uh, the, the king of Assyria, uh, these days are coming. 
uh, for Ahaz and the people. In that day, the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt uh, and the bee that is in the land of Assyria, and they will all come and settle in the steep ravines and in the clefts of the rocks and on all the thorn bushes and on all the pastures. Uh, These nations, their armies are going to fill uh, the land. In that day, the Lord will shave with a razor that is hired beyond the river, the river, the Euphrates. Uh, It was so significant. With the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet, and it will sweep away the beard also. Uh, It's what they do to humiliate uh, in their military campaigns, even shave hair off uh, as they come and and ravage the land. In that day, a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep, and because of the abundance of milk that they give, he will eat curds, for everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey. Uh, the, the population's going to be sparse because of the siege, uh, be, uh, sieges, because of the exile. Uh, they're going to only have curds and honey uh, to eat in, in abundance. Uh, and in this uh, next verse, beginning at verse 23, we'll see the land's going to be ravaged too. Uh, they're not going to be eating wheat, barley. They're not going to be harvesting olives. Uh, they're not going to be eating uh, meat or the other things that they would normally eat, but curds and honey, that's it. Uh, In that day, every place where there used to be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver, so their vineyards, uh, uh, which are very valuable, will become briars and thorns with bows and arrows. A man will come there, for all the land will be briars and thorns. And as for all the hills that used to be hoed with a hoe, you will not come there for fear of briars and thorns but they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. So the land's going to be desolate and devastated under uh, the, uh, the Assyrian armies uh, that, yes, uh, they're going to stop. They're going to stop Israel, the northern kingdom, and their king. Uh, they're going to stop uh, Aram and their king uh, in their assault on Ahaz, uh, the king of Judah, the Davidic king. But judgment is also coming upon Ahaz for his unbelief, for his rejection of the sign. And then at the beginning of uh, chapter 8, we'll only be able to touch on some of it, we're going to see the sign that begins to unfold in Ahaz's day, where there's a lesser fulfillment of this sign. But then when we get to uh, chapter 9, there's a future greater uh, fulfillment Uh, which uh, looks forward uh, to uh, a coming king who will live and reign uh, forever, uh, for for all time, uh, in in absolute peace and establish God's kingdom forever. And so that's looking to the ultimate uh, anointed. But first, uh, the sign in uh, in Ahaz's own day. Uh, Then the Lord said to me, take a large tablet, so uh, Yahweh is speaking to Isaiah. Uh, now he's not dealing with that king Ahaz uh, any more. Uh, then Yahweh said to me, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters belonging to Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Well, what's that? Uh, Maher Shalal Hashbaz basically means quick to the booty, swift to the plunder. Uh, 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 Spoil speeds, prey hastens, uh, and so it's a, it's a little, uh, it's a little uh, 
what's what's going on here? And so uh, Isaiah, uh, he's writing on this big big tablet for people to uh, to see this. Maher uh, Shalal Hashbaz. And I will get so uh, Isaiah. Uh, I will get reliable witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Berechiah, to attest for me. So gets two witnesses uh, by by the word of two or three witnesses. Every word uh, must be confirmed. So he gets two witnesses in his own day. Uh, one is Uriah, uh, the high priest, who later built a, a temple uh, from the, uh, the the pagans in Syria for Ahaz. Uh, and so might not even be a guy who's on, uh, on Isaiah's side or totally in his camp or anything, but he can attest to this. Uh, and uh, and uh, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberechiah, uh, who... Uh, as I recall, was the father-in-law of Ahaz. So these are people uh, who were known. Uh, Isaiah himself was in the priestly class and uh, worked among the, the palace, and uh, he gets two people, Uriah the, the priest, the high priest, and uh, Zechariah the son of Jeberechiah, the father-in-law of Ahaz, to, uh, to bear witness to this, this tablet uh, that, that he's put for everyone's seat, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Uh, we're going to see the, the significance of this in a moment. And I went to the prophetess. Uh, Isaiah speaking. I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Well, that sounds familiar. Uh, in Alma, a virgin uh, or a young marriageable woman shall conceive and bear a son. And now he says, I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. So there's one change. It's It's the prophetess now. But... She conceived and, and bore a son. So it's, it's uh, connecting, uh, connecting back. But you'll see little differences along the way, but then clear connections back because it's, it's raising questions. Well, how's this fulfilled? And there are two fulfillments, a near and a far. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then Yahweh said to me, Call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz, and shall call his name Immanuel. Okay, call his name, but now it's Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Quick to the booty, swift to the blunder. And we're going to see the name uh, Immanuel uh, soon. That's going to come, come into to play. Uh, so I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Then Yahweh said to me, call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz. For before the boy knows, again, that, that sounds familiar. Before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. But now... For before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother. So he's young. Uh, the, the first was with moral discernment, uh, so he would have been young. But now before he knows how to cry, my father or my mother. The wealth of Damascus, uh, the capital of Aram, and the spoil of Samaria, the capital of, uh, of Israel, the northern kingdom, will be carried away before the king of Assyria. This shall not happen. It shall not come to pass. Uh, God's going to stop it. Uh, they're going to be plundered. Uh, they're going to be uh, destroyed by the king of Assyria. Uh, and they're going to be no threat to Judah and King Ahaz uh, and the Davidic line whatsoever. Then Yahweh spoke to me again. Because this people, not just Ahaz, the people are, are uh, unbelieving as well in this, uh, this age. Uh, because this people has refused the waters of uh, Shiloah that flow gently. Uh, that's where he met at the, the conduit uh, at the pool near Jerusalem. 
of the waters near Mount Zion where God dwells in their presence. They've rejected God. They've rejected his provision, his salvation, uh, instead to turn to uh, the king of Assyria. Uh, that's whom Ahaz is putting his hope uh, and trust in. So Yahweh spoke to me again. Because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently and rejoice over Rezin, uh, the king of Aram, and the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria and all his glory. So now not the imagery of bees and flies, but now the river. Uh, he talks about the uh, the king of Assyria, uh, the Assyrian Empire, is like an overflowing river coming upon the people with his, uh, with his armies. And so the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria, and all its glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks, and it will sweep on into Judah, uh, the Davidic kingdom, Ahaz's kingdom, it will overflow and pass, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land. O Emmanuel, God with us. Not just in salvation, but because they rejected God's salvation. Yeah, he's going to wipe out uh, the, the Israelite kingdom. He's going to wipe out uh, the uh, kingdom of Aram. But he's bringing judgment on Ahaz and uh, his people. Uh, and he even, he goes on, be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. You say he's going to shatter uh, the Ephraim, the northern kingdom. But now all the peoples, the nations, Israel, Aram, uh, and even Judah, the, uh, the Davidic kingdom. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. For God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Their counsel, uh, their plans, their plots are all going to be shattered and come to nothing, just as God said. Uh, and so... Just going back, now talking about this, uh, this sign in ah Ahaz's own day uh, with, with Isaiah uh, and uh, his uh, two, uh, two sons. Uh, and we'll uh, get to looking at the, uh, the later sign uh, is, as well that looks to the, uh, the coming ultimate anointed Davidic king. Just going back to uh, verse 8, or, or chapter 8, verse, verse 1. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, do it uh, this way. Uh, chapter 7, uh, verse, uh, verse uh, the sign of Emmanuel, uh, verse 13. We'll start, we'll start uh, breaking uh, this, uh, this down and tracing out some of these words uh, in the, the language uh, here. And so... Uh, here, uh, Isaiah rebukes Ahaz for rejecting the sign. 
Uh, you know, make make it as great as, as you can possibly think of, but he rejected it in his uh, unbelief. This is a wicked, evil uh, king. Uh, and so uh, Isaiah rebukes him, uh, and he said, Hear then, O house of David. Uh, he's in the Davidic line, uh, Ahaz. Uh, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? So he's impatient with his unbelief. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign. Behold, the virgin, in Hebrew, Alma, shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Immanuel. And so, uh, here we see this uh, this birth uh, that uh, that God uh, is is uh, going to give uh, is evidence this sign to Ahaz that uh, he's going to uh, he's going to stop uh, the northern kingdom Israel. And he's going to stop Aram and their king uh, as well. But then, as he expands, it's going to go into judgment upon upon Judah for his un, unbelief. Uh, but uh, here. Uh, where he says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Uh, it's the word Alma in Hebrew. Uh, Betula is the more uh, technical, uh, specific term for, uh, for uh, a virgin, uh, one who has uh, never been uh, married, uh, one who has never had uh, physical relations uh, with the man. Uh, it's, it's the more uh, precise technical term uh, for that and we'll see we'll see some examples of that uh, and I'll post some more online but uh, throughout the law of Moses uh, for instance uh, when he wants to talk about uh, a, a virgin uh, one who has uh, never been uh, with a man never had physical uh, relations or been married uh, he uses the word uh, betula uh, and so he'll talk about a betula who's betrothed uh, to a man but not Mary. Uh, it's, uh, it's her uh, fiancé. Uh, or one who is not betrothed. And, and what happens uh, if uh, a young man uh, joins with her, uh, whether it's forced in the cases of rape or if it was consensual, uh, they might have the opportunity then to marry if the father uh, approves or, uh, or uh, if he doesn't, uh, he'd have to pay her uh, dowry uh, and she wouldn't, she wouldn't marry him. And so Betula is the more technical term, and we're going to see why he chooses uh, Alma. However, uh, the word Alma uh, has to do with uh, a young woman, uh, generally a young maiden. Uh, that's, that's a good way to translate it a lot of uh, times. Uh, it's only used nine times, uh, and two of those times is for... Uh, for musical notation in the Psalms. Uh, so it's really seven that are the most relevant. Uh, and that might have to do with uh, uh, the pitch uh, at which they, uh, maybe at a higher pitch, uh, they would do their songs, uh, sometimes playing their harps. Uh, they would do it uh, according to uh, the alamot, uh, plural for alma, uh, for their harps or for singing. Uh, it might have had to do with uh, sort of the uh, the pitch. Some maybe even see, say like a soprano or something like that. But it's really the seven uh, that are most uh, most relevant that uh, we'll be uh, looking at as uh, uh, time time permits tonight. But in, in Alma uh, was a young woman uh, who was physically mature, 
uh, generally of a marriageable age. Uh, and we'll see for most uh, alamot, uh, in, in plural, instead of saying almas, alamot, plural, for most alamot, uh, they were, uh, they were, or that we'll see, uh, they were not uh, married. Uh, and so they'd, they'd be uh, eligible uh, for, uh, for marriage. Uh, and uh, in the context, when they are not married, uh, they would live in their father's house uh, under his protection. Uh, they wouldn't, uh, because they weren't married, they wouldn't go to live with their husband. Uh, and so uh, it would be uh, assumed and taken for granted in the culture uh, that they were virgins. Uh, that uh, an Alma, uh, a young woman or a young a maiden, uh, would, if she wasn't married and was under her father's care, that she would be uh, a virgin uh, and she wouldn't have children. And there'll be most cases we look at, but uh, there's a little bit of a range, uh, range of, of meaning. And you, you can extend uh, in rare cases where uh, a, a young woman uh, can still be called an Alma and be uh, be married, but most of them uh, she isn't. And so it's not the technical term uh, for virgin, but in the context in which uh, a young maiden, young woman who is physically mature of a marriageable age, uh, in the context when she wasn't married, uh, she would be uh, a virgin and be uh, eligible uh, to be uh, married. And so what we'll be looking at uh, it's, uh, some examples of that. Uh, and then so he says this, uh, the Alma shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Immanuel, God with us. Uh, speaking about the, the presence of God with his people. Uh, Yahweh means he is. Eh uh, ye, I share eh ye. That's what he said to Moses. Uh, I am who I am. Eh ye, I share eh ye. At the burning bush. And then says for the people to call him Yahweh. He is. He's the one who is. Uh, the one who is with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the one who is with Moses and with his mouth to, to speak to the people and who will be with his people in the Exodus uh, and to bring them out of G Egypt. He is the God who is present. Uh, he is the God who is with uh, his uh, people. And so here, Immanuel, uh, God with us, Imanu with us, El, God, uh, is a uh, similar idea that he's present with his people, either for salvation or for uh, for judgment. And so let's just uh, start looking at these uh, terms uh, for uh, for Alma. And I mentioned the ones in uh, Psalm 46, uh, where you just see it for musical notation. We, we won't go there. Uh, and there's another one in First Chronicles chapter uh, 15, verse 20, that's just musical notation again, uh, plural, alamot. Uh, but we'll, we'll look at some of these others. And first, I just want to look at, uh, we have uh, one example in which uh, in Alma is in a, a married relationship, a physical relationship, uh, and we'll, we'll look more at uh, Isaiah uh, and the, the prophetess and his children. But then we'll start to look more at the ones where uh, they aren't married uh, and uh, they are a young, marriageable uh, ladies uh, who are uh, virgins under their uh, father's uh, 
protection for the most part. So first, uh, go to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 19. I know some of that, you know, we had to go <laughs> very uh, quickly, and so I, I don't expect you to, to grasp it all, but maybe to see a little bit of the overview, and then you can go back and listen where we go s- work slowly uh, through these things, and uh, you can uh, understand uh, even even better. Uh, normally, I don't try to talk like a, a madman or, or anything, but I just saw that many of you weren't here last week, and I, I don't know if that you listened uh, online. So, uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse uh, 19, uh, and beginning in verse 18. We'll just read through verse 20, because they, they go together. Three things are too wonderful for me, for I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high seas, and the way of a man with uh, an alma. Uh, Some have virgin, some have a young maiden, young woman, uh, and the way of a man with an alma. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. And so uh, here, beginning in verse 18, uh, a couple of scholars, uh, Bruce uh, Waltke and uh, Dwayne Garrett, uh, have, have some uh, nice treatments just of these uh, passages. Uh, he, he opens kind of expanding uh, three and four, uh, showing how, how great these things. Three things are too wonderful for me, uh, things that are, are uh, wonderful uh, to, uh, to the, uh, his mind. For I do not understand, which is another way of saying I can't comprehend it. You know, it's, it's so great, it's beyond me. Uh, Job uh, speaks like that a lot of times, speaking about the creation uh, when, uh, or in God even confronting Job. You know, do you understand this and that and these other things? And he speaks about things that are too, too great for him, too wonderful, too amazing. And so uh, here, uh, he He's going to give four in a row uh, before turning uh, to uh, the adulteress. Uh, and here uh, you have things that uh, move uh, throughout uh, their, uh, their environments uh, that God has uh, placed them, uh, each of them in, uh, in their, their own element, in, in nature, uh, throughout which they, uh, they move. Uh, and with the, uh, the adulterous woman, we'll see that they don't, they don't leave a trail. Uh, they don't leave a, a, a trace uh, along the way. And so these, uh, these wonderful motions throughout uh, their own environments, uh, the way of an eagle in the sky. It doesn't leave footprints along the way, but as it soars and glides uh, throughout uh, the, the sky, uh, the wonder uh, and astonishment of how God has created uh, eagles to uh, soar uh, throughout the sky. Uh, the way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, so as it slithers and glides around the rock, but of course on a rock, uh, it leaves, leaves no trail, leaves no footprints uh, along a, a hard rock as the serpent uh, goes, uh, goes along with the locomotion that, that God has given uh, to each of these creatures. 
of the way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship on the high, uh, the high seas as it uh, sails across. Uh, again, no footprints, no trail be, uh, behind it, stirs up the waters a little bit, and then they, uh, they smooth over. And the way of a man with uh, an alma. And so a young, physically mature uh, woman uh, of a, a marriageable uh, age. Uh, and even seeing where some go with, uh, it doesn't say betula, which is the technical term for virgin, but even where like the ESV has virgin uh, in this, uh, this case, you can see that even the word virgin can be extended into a new marital relationship where she's married in this case, as we'll see with the adulteress. Uh, she's, this is uh, a just and pure relationship uh, between man and woman uh, and, and uh, romance uh, that, that he's given them in their, their own natures. Uh, but we're even, even if you had the word betula or virgin, you can extend it into a new marital uh, relationship. But here, Alma, it'd be a young, marriageable uh, woman who's physically uh, mature. Uh, and here, uh, she's in a, a married, physical uh, relationship. And so uh, these things that are wonderful that God has designed in creation uh, in all of their, their own environments are, are things that, that are wonderful, that should, should astound uh, us. But not so for the, uh, the adulteress. Verse 20, this is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wrong. And so it's like it, it doesn't, it leaves no trace uh, as for her. It's, it's just, just, just nothing, uh, physical relations. It's not something that's uh, wondrous. It's not something that's sacred or holy that God has, has designed. But uh, as, uh, as commentators like Walke and uh, Garrett say, uh, it's just like, it's like eating a sandwich or something. You know, it's just done and wipe her mouth and I've, I have done no wrong. And of course she has. She's committed iniquity in sin and it's destructive and has repercussions for her, for the people that she commits adultery with, broken marriages and all the destruction it does. But for her, it's just, it's just nothing. It's like it leaves no trace at all. She wipes her mouth and she's, she's done with it. It's no more than like eating a sandwich. And so... The author of pre- Proverbs, obviously, with, uh, with uh, his son and in instruction. Don't, uh, don't look to the adulteress, but uh, these are things uh, that should wonder us in, in, in God's creation, that uh, we should recognize are from God uh, and is not something to take lightly. But here's the one example where you see, with the few uses we have of uh, alma, or plural, uh, alamot, where uh, she is in a physical uh, marriage uh, relationship in this case, but is uh, still uh, a young woman, young uh, relationship uh, here. Uh, and let's just look at, uh, let's go back to Isaiah uh, chapter 8. We'll look at uh, Isaiah and the prophetess and their son. But then we'll go on to look at these uh, other uses of, of Alma uh, in which uh, you have uh, young uh, ladies or maidens who are not in a, 
or most of them are not in a married relationship. They're not wives or mothers, but they're, they're eligible. Now, some of this, again, uh, last week we uh, covered even more, but I just want to look at this first fulfillment uh, before we go on to look at the second in uh, chapter 9 and the other uses of, of Alma. And so here uh, we see that uh, he gives this, uh, this sort of uh, uh, esoteric, obscure prophecy to Ahaz uh, that uh, for those who have ears to hear, uh, he should heed it from the, the prophet. Uh, but uh, then goes on to uh, the sign starts to unfold uh, in his day and then in the, the days to come. And so uh, Yahweh said to me, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters, or with the stylus of a man, uh, literally, like a, a human. Uh, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters belonging to Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. That's the name of his second son. Uh, the name of his first son, the, uh, Yahweh told a, uh, Isaiah to uh, bring, to exhort uh, Ahaz and to confront him, uh, was Sha'ar Yashu, uh, a remnant uh, sh- shall return. But here, Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. And he hasn't told Isaiah quite what's going on yet. We, we don't know how much Isaiah knows, but God's going to give him more instructions. Uh, and so we're going to see it unfold. But quick to the booty, swift to the plunder, uh, which uh, is going to be a, a, a sign uh, to the people on this big tablet for everyone to see before it ever takes place, uh, that God gave this sign that uh, this child uh, is going uh, to be born. Uh, and actually, within three years of his birth, uh, seven, around 735 B.C., uh, you confront Ahaz. Uh, 734, uh, the Assyrians campaigned along the uh, western coast, along the Mediterranean, along the coastal highway that went through uh, throughout Israel, all the way uh, going from the, the very north, modern-day uh, Iraq uh, and, and Assyria, uh, to the south, to Egypt. And he campaigned uh, down there uh, and took the, the coastal highway, uh, which was very important uh, internationally for travel, military, uh, uh, the military campaigns, uh, commerce, uh, travel. Uh, it was very important. Uh, and so he subdued the Egyptians in 733 B.C. Uh, he struck again from the north, the king of Assyria, and he, he struck uh, in the northern region of Israel, uh, the northern kingdom, in the region of Galilee uh, and uh, the northern tribes. Uh, and he uh, deported them, uh, he slaughtered, he destroyed, uh, also going uh, to the east of the, the Jordan River, uh, tribes like uh, Reuben, Gad, and uh, the half-tribe of Manasseh. He destroyed and deported them so that Israel, all that was left of Israel, was just uh, this central region uh, in the, the hill country where uh, Pekah, uh, the, the king, uh, was. And then in 732 B.C., he struck again, destroyed Damascus, uh, the capital of Aram, uh, where Rezin the king was, uh, the, the partner of uh, King, uh, king Pekah in Israel. Uh, he destroyed him. He killed Rezin. Uh, he destroyed Damascus. It was no threat anymore. And he uh, 
Pekah was deposed uh, by Hoshea, and uh, the king of Assyria basically confirmed Hoshea as the last king of Israel on the throne. And so by within three years, uh, both of these kings were no threat whatsoever in the kingdoms to Ahaz uh, and Judah, the southern uh, kingdom. Uh, and then uh, with by 722 BC, and so uh, less than 13 years after this uh, boy is even born, uh, uh, Samaria, the capital of Israel, was destroyed. Uh, the people were deported, uh, and they later brought in uh, pagan peoples from uh, Babylon and all over the place, uh, filled them in the land, uh, and they mixed and became the Samaritan people. So they, they weren't even a people uh, any uh, anymore. And so this sign uh, came to pass uh, in his own day, this, uh, this near uh, fulfillment uh, of it, uh, as he uh, plundered uh, these, uh, these kings. And so uh, he writes on this uh, tablet, uh, this name, uh, before it even happens, and I will get reliable witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberechiah, to attest for me uh, that this happened before all of these, uh, these events uh, unfolded. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Uh, then he said to me, call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz, uh, as the, the sign, quick to the booty, swift to the plunder. And here, uh, the prophetess, it's, it's possible that uh, Isaiah's previous wife, because he already has a child, that she may have passed away, uh, and this could be uh, a new wife, uh, that he has a second child with. But it's probably more likely, uh, although uh, we maybe can't be 100% sure, that this probably was Isaiah's a young uh, wife uh, at this, uh, this time of a physically a mature uh, age, a young woman. Uh, and just some reasons uh, for this is First, focusing on Isaiah's first son, uh, She'ar Yashuv, a remnant shall return. Uh, Isaiah uh, was uh, commissioned in 740 or 739 uh, BC in the year that King Uzziah died. And you can read about that in chapter 6 of Isaiah. Yahweh still reigned as king, uh, high and lofty on his throne. But King Uzziah, uh, this great king as the people saw him, uh, he had died, and this was the year that Isaiah was commissioned, uh, where he was a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips, but God made atonement for Isaiah. He purified his lips so that Isaiah could proclaim uh, the word of God as God's prophet uh, to uh, the nation of uh, Judah. Uh, and here uh, we see that Isaiah and his two sons, uh, as he says just a, a, little, a little later uh, in uh, verse, around verse 16, uh, bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. So believers, it's the testimony, the prophetic testimony that God gave to uh, Isaiah and spoke through him. Believe. Bind up the word of God among his disciples who, who believe it. Uh, I, Isaiah says, I will wait for Yahweh 
who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom Yahweh has given me are signs and portents in Israel from Yahweh of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. They're signs and portents, Isaiah and his uh, his two sons from Yahweh of hosts. And so uh, he's been commissioned. And when he goes to Ahaz in 735 BC, Yahweh God says, bring your son Shear Yeshuv to Ahaz to confront him because he's a sign. Isaiah's name means uh, Yahweh is salvation. So Ahaz should trust in Yahweh for salvation. And Sha'ar Yashuv, a remnant shall re- return. Uh, it could be an encouragement for people that had been previously taken away by uh, in the battles with the Israelites. Or even, uh, some say, maybe a remnant of these people who are attacking them shall return. The devastation is going to be so great. Uh, but uh, later, uh, it's even going to be used for, uh, I think in chapter 11, as you read along, uh, Yahweh will say, Though this, uh, though Israel be as the sand of the sea, only Sha'ar Yeshuv, a remnant, shall return. And so it's throughout this day, uh, Sha'ar Yeshuv is a sign. And so having been commissioned uh, and then told to take this sign to Ahaz, his son uh, that uh, is from Yahweh as a sign uh, almost certainly uh, is no more than uh uh, then four, five years old uh, in this time between uh, 740, 739 B.C. and uh, 735 when he confronts Ahaz. And he might be a very young uh, at this time. And so Isaiah was married. Uh, he, he had this, uh, this child, Sha'ar Yashuv, uh, with, uh, with his, uh, his wife that doesn't introduce earlier, but he has this son from Yahweh that he gave him as a sign to bring to uh, Ahaz here, uh, his first son. Uh, but then God gives another uh, uh, sign. And so here Yah- uh, he would have had uh, a wife within this recent time who, who had uh, given birth already to, to one son as a, uh, as a sign, and that's uh, Sha'ar Yashuv, uh, who would be very, uh, very, very small, uh, no more than a couple, a few, few years or so. And then uh, he calls her uh, the prophetess, which is uh, kind of uh, kind of interesting. Uh, and you, you could maybe think, well, maybe she's not his wife. Why, why doesn't he call call her uh, his his wife? Uh, but uh, in uh, verse three, and I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son. Uh, and so you see, he wants to change where there's a lot of similarities. She conceived and bore a son. Clear echoes back over and over and over again, and there are signs and portents. I mean, it's uh, clear throughout. Uh, but there are always little subtle differences uh, along uh, along the way uh, to show that there's there's continuity. There's some things that remain the same with what he said before, but there are little things that are different, uh, and that's because it's going to show this is this is a near lesser fulfillment, but there's going to be a greater future fulfillment that we'll see in. Uh, chapter 9. Uh, in saying the, the prophetess, uh, it could actually be that uh, here, uh, putting this emphasis on the, the sign here, uh, is uh, as uh, Gary Smith says, 
It's not unprecedented where you have, uh, for instance, uh, kings, uh, their wives are called queens. Uh, In prophets, uh, those who were their disciples, uh, who were believers, uh, were called the sons of the prophets, even though they themselves weren't uh, weren't necessarily prophets uh, them, uh, themselves. And so uh, Isaiah is the prophet, could be his wife's the prophetess. Uh, he and his sons, they're, uh, uh, they're signs and portents. And uh, this woman herself, and uh, this sign comes from her, and she is uh, caught up in this, uh, uh, this very sign. And, uh, and even seeing that he'd had a wife that had just given birth to another child that was a sign just within a very, very recent a very recent time. And so uh, that would even make you question, uh, it probably takes more, more unfounded, unsupported assumptions to assume that uh, his wife had just given birth, had just died, and now he has uh, an, another wife, rather than just assume that he, he had these two children uh, from uh, from the the prophetess, and here it doesn't necessarily say he married her, but he just went to her, uh, and so uh, maybe someone that he's uh, quite quite familiar with, and so uh, perhaps he's the prophet, she's the uh, the prophetess, and their uh, their uh, Isaiah and his children are signs and portents. And then finally, uh, the choice of the word uh, Alma uh, over Betula. Uh, he could have used the word betula, which is the more technical term for uh, for virgin. Uh, and we'll see that uh, Alma, uh, most cases that we'll find it in, uh, they are virgins and they are un- unmarried, but they're of a marriageable uh, physical uh, physical age in the, the the cultural context. But he, he could have said, uh, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name uh, Emmanuel, a god a God with us. Uh, because at the time, she was a virgin, uh, like if, if the prophetess was a virgin, uh, and then they married, came together, she conceived, bore a son, and uh, we see this sign of that God is with them, uh, Emmanuel. Uh, it doesn't say, if you just take the verse in itself, uh, there's, uh, there's more that's important as these things unfold. But if you take the verse in, in itself, uh, even if he used the word betula, it doesn't say uh, a betula shall conceive and bear a son as a betula and afterwards still be a betula, still be a virgin even, even afterwards, uh, which we see the prophetess, uh, the prophetess wasn't. Uh, and so he could have used the word betula. He could have used the word virgin, where you can even see the word virgin can extend, uh, like we saw the ESV translated in Proverbs 30, it can extend into a new marriage relationship. But by choosing the word Alma, it gives just enough, uh, enough wiggle room, uh, there, there's enough, uh, enough space within the meaning that uh, the prophetess, if, if it is Isaiah's wife, that she can be called an Alma with the, the lesser fulfillment. But then as we go to the greater uh, fulfillment, uh, uh, we're going to see that you know it's it's as high as heaven and as low as Sheol, uh, the uh, the very uh, very sign, uh, and uh, we see no physical father, uh, but we'll only see that there's this uh, this Alma, this uh, young marriageable uh, marriageable woman, and so uh, it's probably more likely uh, that uh, from from his own uh, son 
uh, his first son, Sha'ar Yeshuv, uh, born just in uh, very, very recent times uh, to, uh, to, to his wife uh, from, as a sign from Yahweh, uh, and uh, her being called the, the prophetess, uh, and him using the word Alma rather than the more technical Betula, uh, that it likely, the prophetess likely is his wife, although we maybe can't be 100% certain about it, but it might take a little more uh, assumptions to assume that he had just had a wife who gave a son who died and now there's uh, there's a, a new wife um, but now I want to look at the other uses of Alma and see how this later sign uh, unfolds and we'll see how how far we uh, get with this, and maybe a little bit we'll uh, go into to next week uh, and wrap things up and get into the book of Genesis. Uh, but uh, the material from last week will also, uh, if you go listen to that, it'll, it'll provide a lot, lot more uh, information and go through much more slowly throughout this. And so turn to Psalm 68, verse 26. Uh, we've already seen that uh, Alma... Uh, can be used in a context where one is married, uh, where you have a young, a young lady uh, in a, a marriage, a physical relationship. Now, this one will show that it can be in a case where they may or may not uh, be married, and then the rest uh, we're going to see where they're uh, they're not married. So, Psalm sixty-eight, verse twenty-six. And let's just uh, go a few verses back. Uh, Let's begin verse 20. Our God is a God of salvation, and to God, the Lord, belong deliverances from death. But God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in his guilty ways. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that you may strike your feet in their blood, that the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from their foe. So he gives salvation against their enemies. Your procession is seen, O God, uh, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the musicians last, between them, the alamot playing tambourines. Bless God in the congregation. The Lord, O you, who are of Israel's fountain. There is Benjamin, the least of them, in the lead. The princes of Judah in their throng. The princes of Zebulun, the princes of Naphtali. So they're praising God uh, in a procession, uh, giving worship and song and praise uh, for his uh, his victories and salvation. Uh, and in this, uh, verse 24 and 25, your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the musicians between them, uh, the alamot playing tambourines, or literally singers in front, musicians last, uh, between them, alamot, playing tambourines. 
Uh, and in the context, nothing has to do with uh, marriage here uh, or with children or any such thing. Uh, these are young, young maidens, uh, young, uh, young women. And uh, we maybe don't know for sure whether, uh, whether they're all uh, uh, not married. Uh, but uh, the one thing for, uh, for young men, if they were looking for uh, eligible young ladies, uh, they would want to look among the alamot because that's where, that's where most of the marriageable young women uh, would be who would uh, be at a stage of their life where they're transitioning to, uh, from not being married uh, to betrothal, to marriage, to children. Uh, it's this stage of their life. And so in this context, uh, it's not about marriage necessarily, and uh, maybe we don't know whether every single last young lady playing the tambourine hasn't been betrothed or married at this point, uh, but uh, Alamo in general uh, are of an age where they're marriageable and uh, by and large, as we'll see from other uh, examples, even though we, we only have so many uh, in the Hebrew Bible, so have to be a little careful, but uh, the most we'll see that they were at a stage where, uh, where they're of a marriageable age. And so uh, many, many of them weren't yet, yet married. And so uh, a young man might want to befriend some alamot if he wants to, uh, to get, uh, get married. But uh, in these other examples, we'll start to see where, uh, I guess we, we have one more where uh, it's clear, clearly we'll see it's un, an unmarried young lady on Exodus 2, uh, but where uh, the, the context itself doesn't necessarily uh, focus on marriage uh, in this one, but uh, she, is not, uh, she is not married. And so uh, we're going to see Moses' birth, and we're going to be seeing his uh, sister along the, the way. And in verse, uh, verse 8, we'll see, we'll see the word Alma. So let's look at verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. Uh, the woman conceived and bore a son. Well, that sounds familiar. Uh, and by the way, also part of the miraculousness of it with uh, Isaiah's, uh, the birth of his own son. Who is it that opens wombs? Yahweh does. God, God does. Uh, for Sarah, for Rebecca, for uh, Rachel and Leah at various times. Sometimes he closed them, sometimes he opened them. Uh, also for Samson's mother and uh, John and Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. It's God who opens the womb. And with the name Maher Shalal Hashbaz, uh, quick to the booty, swift to the plunder, even before, uh, with witnesses, before uh, these things had happened, and his first son is a sign, and Isaiah is a sign, within three years the kings were destroyed. Uh, and so uh, it was actually a spectacular sign where everything that God said uh, came to pass. And for those who had ears to hear, you know, let them hear. Uh, and that sign even grounds and confirms Isaiah is a true prophet uh, because when they, when they gave a sign, uh, things would, if they do not come to pass, they're a $3 bill. And so in his own day, the first sign comes to pass, authenticating him as a true prophet, which authenticates then the later, much greater sign uh, of uh, the coming uh, anointed king who will reign forever. 
And so, uh, back, back to, to here. And so, uh, verse 1, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. Uh, the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months under the edict of the wicked pharaoh of the time who uh, would destroy all of the, uh, the male children. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch, uh, which actually alludes back to the the ark, by the way, uh, the tev. Uh, She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young women, uh, na'arot, uh, young, young women, uh, can be used all the way for even baby girls to, uh, to, to older, uh, kind of idea of girl or a young, young woman or girl. Um, na'ar is a, a male na- name for boy. So uh, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman And she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl, Moses' sister, uh, the Alma, went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman, Moses' mother, ironically, in God's providence, took the child and nursed him. Uh, When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Moshe, uh, Hebrew. And so here, uh, this, this girl, uh, Pharaoh's daughter, uh, verse 8, said to her, go. So the Alma went and called the child's mother. And so here is a young woman, a young a maiden, a young lady who's uh, watching over as her mother sends, uh, sends uh, Moses along in the, uh, the Nile uh, to See what would happen of him in, in God's providence as God took care of this one who will become his prophet uh, and his mediator uh, and deliverer that he's going to use. And here she lives with her mother, her father, her family. And so uh, she's a young lady uh, and she's not married. And so she, she's a virgin. And that, that's not the, the, the central technical meaning of Alma, but in the context of the culture, you live with your family, you're an Alma, you're a virgin. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be expected. Uh, and then let's look at another example. Uh, in uh, Genesis uh, 24, uh, we're going to see, this is where it starts getting more interesting. Uh, and throughout Genesis 24, uh, words like, uh, isha for woman, uh, naara uh, girl or, or uh, young woman uh, are used. Uh, Betula virgin is used. 
uh, almost interchangeably with, uh, with Alma for, for a young, uh, young maiden. Uh, and here is where uh, Abraham, it's toward the end of his life, uh, Isaac is born, he's, he's uh, grown up now, and so he sends to his home country, send, uh, Abraham sends a servant for a wife. So he went and take a wife among the Canaanites. And this focuses on uh, if God's true to his promises uh, and that through Isaac, Abraham's offspring shall be named. Uh, and God's, God's uh, blessing uh, and provision for creation uh, and for Abraham and for the nations, if it's to be pres- preserved and ultimately restored and established forevermore, then, then God has to, uh, to give Isaac uh, a wife uh, to continue uh, the blessing and promises uh, so that uh, they can be preserved and, and restored. Yeah, yeah uh, Eric. The one yeah. similarity I see with, uh, so the Muslims, they, they, Moses says a prophet will arise lightly. Yeah. The Muslims, you know, they say it's Muhammad, but it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned Miriam took Moses out of the water, it just reminds me that as Miriam, a virgin, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, received Moses out of the water, Mary, a virgin, received Jesus from the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure if uh, if Matthew would necessarily intend that as far as like taking out the water. But as you keep reading through Matthew, uh, he makes connections uh, again and again with uh, with Moses uh, because uh, Jesus is the uh, the the greater prophet, and so you do see connections where uh, where, for instance, uh, Moses even. Uh, well, he at one point he flees out of Egypt uh, for uh, for refuge, uh, but then the, the the people go back. They're protected in refuge. Uh, in Jesus, uh, uh, his son, you know, he calls them out of out of Egypt and uh, and then uh, brings them back uh, into the land. And uh, you also see things where he goes up on the uh, the the mount to give his his sermon to the people, where uh, the law was given by Moses on Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. Uh, in Jesus, uh, then uh, gives the law. You heard it said, "I say to you, you know, uh, to uh, to speak and show these connections uh, between him bringing the the new uh, the new covenant." So, yeah, there there are a lot of connections. Uh, Eric has, uh, Pastor Eric has uh, spoken about a num- number of them. He can, he can kind of rattle, just rattle them off. Uh, but uh, here. Uh, let's just uh, let's just look at uh, here where Abraham is sending his uh, his servant, uh, and the servant uh, he he goes up to uh, Abraham's uh, country uh, to the north to uh, to his uh, people, uh, and then uh, in verse ten we're going to see he's he's looking for uh, someone who could uh, uh, would be an, an eligible wife for for Isaac. And let's just uh, yeah begin in verse ten, uh, and then in uh, in verse sixteen we'll see the word betula uh, that he'll echo back to later with Alma. Uh, then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose uh, and went to Mesopotamia, uh, to the north, uh, to the city of Nahor. And so he's taken a dowry for uh, for this. For a woman he is looking for. 
And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, uh, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, and that's a, that's a very good time if you're maybe looking for some eligible, eligible women. And he said, O Yahweh God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman, uh, Naara, uh, young woman, girl, uh, to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant, Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, uh, who was born to uh, Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, uh, which uh, was a, a brother of uh, Abraham, uh, Abraham's brother, oh, there we go, uh, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. So uh, Rebecca, uh, the young woman, Naara, uh, was very attractive in appearance, a uh, Betula whom no man had known. Uh, she went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Uh, then the servant ran to meet her and said, uh, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. And so she goes on to say, drink, uh, and offers to, uh, to water his uh, camels uh, is, uh, as well. And so, uh, verse 16, uh, the young woman, Naara, uh, was very attractive in appearance, a betula, whom no man had known. And that's very common. This is the more technical term for, uh, for virgin, betula, whom no man had known. It's kind of highlighting, here's an eligible uh, virgin uh, for, uh, for Isaac uh, from, uh, from his uh, home country and uh, finds that this, uh, this woman, that uh, she's a virgin and uh, she's uh, from uh, Abraham's uh, own, uh, own uh, relatives going back, his own, his own ancestors. Uh, and then uh, look at verse, let's see, uh, down in verse uh, 42. Uh, he's uh, recounting uh, all that had happened and how God had uh, prospered his way uh, to find uh, a, uh, a woman, uh, a bride for, uh, for Isaac. Uh, and as he's recounting, uh, verse 42, uh, I came... Uh, to, uh, to Rebecca's family, uh, he's uh, speaking. I came today to the spring and said, O Yahweh, uh, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the uh, Alma who comes out to draw water, uh, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom Yahweh has appointed for my master's son. So it's from Yahweh. But uh, verse 43, Behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the Alma, uh, the, young, the maiden, uh, who comes out to draw water, uh, to whom I shall say, uh, 
you know, uh, give, give a drink for his, for his camels. And here it's completely, uh, you see this uh, interchangeable. And when, uh, when synonyms are used, it doesn't necessarily mean they mean the exact same thing, but that their similarities are salient. They're being highlighted uh, more than their, their differences. They're, they're central. And so here are the exact same phrase where he uses betula, the technical term for virgin. Uh, here he says, let the alma who comes uh, to draw water, uh, to whom I shall say. Uh, and so this is a marriageable woman uh, under her father's house uh, and under his protection and care, and she's, she's a virgin. She's, uh, she's an eligible, marriageable woman who has no children in her physical prime, uh, a ready to be married, a bride for, uh, for Isaac. Uh, and then it looks like our... Our time is running short uh, because we had to do uh, some review. So next week, we'll go ahead and we'll work through the rest of the, the uses. And we have some really interesting ones uh, along the way uh, in the uh, Song of Songs, uh, the Song of Solomon, uh, in Esther, uh, that uh, draw together some really cool connections where we're going to see Betula, uh, Virgin, Alma, uh, Na, uh, Naara, uh, Girl, uh, all used together uh, in ways that, that shows that uh, Alma, uh, young maiden, or Alamot, young maidens, uh, is, uh, is used in contexts for one who, who is a, a virgin, one who is uh, unmarried uh, along uh, the, the way. Uh, and uh, Isaiah, uh, he... Uh, understood these things very well. And so he's very selective with his terms that allows for these lesser fulfillments, uh, but then a much greater fulfillment, uh, which uh, Matthew uh, knew of uh, and understood the, the background and assumed his, his audience would. And I think if you uh, go back, uh, Lord willing, and uh, listen to our uh, previous class uh, and then might have to listen again to this one, or uh, by by next week, uh, I think we'll cover uh, cover enough. I think you'll see that the uh, the fulfillment is uh, maybe even much greater uh, in the prophecy in Isaiah uh, than uh, maybe you had ever fully recognized before. Uh, not that we uh, don't understand it all, but that uh, we come to grasp it more fully as we understand Isaiah uh, better and. Uh, if you want, just turn to Isaiah 9. Uh, I'll just show you the, the second fulfillment. Uh, we, we won't break it down uh, this week, but to see, uh, to what your whistle, your appetite, you know, it's, it's coming. Uh, and it's uh, very profound indeed. This is the king who lives and reigns uh, forever. Uh, unlike David, unlike Solomon, unlike Ahaz and Hezekiah, uh, here is the one who is truly God with us, uh, and later in uh, cha chapter 11, we'll see here's the one with the sevenfold spirit of Yahweh. The fullness of God's spirit uh, rests upon this one and in this one because he is truly God with us uh, in the flesh, uh, the, the God-man. So uh, let's just uh, go back to verse uh, 16 in, in chapter 8. We'll, we'll just read through where you're going to see this darkness, this judgment for rejecting God's word, but it's going to turn to light and salvation in the future. So from Ahaz's day to the future. Verse 16. 
uh, bind up the testimony uh, that God gave to, to Isaiah, uh, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for Yahweh, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom Yahweh has given to me are signs and portents into Israel from Yahweh of hosts, who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp or whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no done. According to the word of God, according to the word given to the prophet, and the prophet himself is a sign, uh, like and his sons and uh, perhaps his wife, like Ezekiel, like Jonah, like uh, even Jeremiah and Jesus and the, the Son of Man in the, the latter times. Uh, they need to believe the word of God. To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no done. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry as judgment comes. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward to heaven and they will look to the earth. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. They didn't want the word of God. They didn't want his salvation. They wanted the Assyrians. They wanted uh, paganism. They wanted false prophets. So God gave them the false prophets, the Assyrians. But, but we look to the future. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, the northern uh, land of the kingdom that was saved or that they came under judgment uh, will, will then be saved. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. So there's been a, re a reversal. Land's not desolate anymore. They have the spoil now. They have the harvest. And they're joyful. Why? For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian, uh, with Gideon on their enemies in the days of Judges. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. No more war. Uh, it's all going to be burnt up. And this is the big reason why. For to us a child is born. A son is given. Echoing back, child is born, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of Yahweh of hosts will do this there's a greater son 
uh, that we'll talk about more, and we did, we did last, uh, last week, uh, looking to the one who lives and reigns forever, who is mighty God, everlasting Father. This one is truly God uh, with us. And so I uh, hope that uh, it was helpful, even though there are things we had to cover quickly, but uh, it'll lay some groundwork that if you're interested in learning more, uh, last week's recording is available. Uh, this week's recording, Lord willing, will be available, and uh, we'll look at the rest, uh, if, if God wills, uh, next uh, next week. And so let's just close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word uh, by your prophet Isaiah, and I thank you just for how magnificent and wonderful it is uh, that uh, uh, this uh, this sign given by Isaiah, uh, that uh, the the sign in his own day, uh, confirms uh, and shows that uh, the the word is is ultimately truly from you uh, through through your prophet and uh, gives us confidence and uh, hope uh, and uh, just makes us marvel at your far greater Son who lives and reigns forever. Uh, who was uh, born uh, from uh, through the the Virgin Mary, uh, a, a miracle, a sign uh, far greater uh, and truly uh, amazing, uh, the God Man. And so we thank you for all these things and uh, pray that uh, that they be to your glory. Uh, we pray in His name, Amen.